Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Podcast Room 303, episode 71. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morahan. And as always, we have the angel in the outfield, the old self-promoting motherfucker himself, Temp E. Yes, he was demoted recently. How are you doing this fine evening, Nick? I'm good. If you guys want to know the story behind E, he came with he came with some pretty he came with some big cojones, some mucho cojones energy today to the podcast. Seemingly walked, kicked open the door and said, You look at me, you look me in the eyes. I'm a producer now. And then proceeded to mess up about every stat that he provided us in our pre-show. So he is now not an intern anymore. He's a temp position, which means we're not paying him anymore. We weren't paying him before, but we're not paying him with respect or anything like that. Now he's a temp and he would, he it will henceforth be known as ESPN because he has time late statistics. All right. So that, there you have it. But other than uh, that, I'm doing good. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, a couple of NBA notes. We'll go through the all-star finalists for the MLB. We'll talk about the Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL. You should have listened to Jermaine and bet the Canadians and the Lightning. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, last three uh, MLB or not not uh, last uh, not uh, MLB NHL awards to come out, uh, and then the big thing for the podcast today we'll be talking about the Euros. The quarter the quarterfinals are set in Euro 2020, but actually, really 2021. And we had our first big upset, but we in the Euros, we will definitely cover that later. This episode's trivia question provided by Intern E after much vetting and sourcing to correct materials. And deleting. And deleting. Is Euro-related, obviously. So now that we are in the quarterfinals officially, as of this morning or this afternoon, um, we just set a record for most goals in a Euro Cup in 42 games with seven games left of 123 goals, which is 2.80 goals per match. What was the previous record? Okay. So, and the answer is on to NBA news. So the head coach carousel continues to turn. It's like watching a, little daytime television show called As the World Turns. I don't know if that's still a thing anymore or if I got the name right, but we'll move on. So the Indiana Pacers swooped in out of nowhere and signed Rick Carlisle to a four-year, $29 million deal. And the Dallas Mavericks agreed to a deal with Jason Kidd to be the next head coach there. And... In conjunction with that hiring, they have agreed to a deal for their head of basketball operations. As we reported earlier, it seemed like there was a rift with the uh, front office and upper management and Luka Doncic, which is starting to be uh, kind of obvious now. But Nico Harrison, longtime Nike executive, agreed to become the next head of operations for Dallas. And... Last but not least, definitely the most uh, newsworthy of them all, NBA darling, right? Who was who was 
a dream candidate for multiple teams for different positions. He was considered for general manager. He was considered for head of basketball operations, and he was considered for head coach. That's right. The Portland Trailblazers hired Chauncey Billups to be their next head coach on a five-year deal. There's been some backlash on this head coach search. And that coupled with Portland's shortcomings in the playoffs, their inability to be healthy, and just the overall basketball situation when it comes to salary. Uh, there's rumors that Lillard may uh, force a request. And uh, all this stems from not necessarily just this. As, as I mentioned, the salary cap situation, the basketball situation, the failure to perform in the playoffs. I mean, uh, the list goes on. But – Lillard openly endorsed Billups to be the next head coach. And it seems to me there's been some backlash on the internet and, you know, people in the NBA and the organization because we're not just uh, not Portland organization, but in the NBA due to Chauncey Billups, 1997, um, his sexual misconduct and harassment case, no criminal charges, were filed uh there was civil there was a civil case filed and they settled out of court but it seems to me that people in the nba are are upset that he received this job i don't know what, what are you Kobe, Kobe bryant oh <laughs> oh Kobe bryant <laughs> Way to way to call out the elephant in the room. So, what are your thoughts on this part, on any of these head coaching hires, etc.? Well, so I mean, I, I mean, Rick. As soon as the stuff that happened this offseason with Rick Carlisle, he was instantly the dream candidate for, or he was instantly the uh, the biggest free agent coaching candidate, if you can say so. He was the he was the 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 guy that everybody wanted to get this year, right? So good for the Pacers, right? They kind of need a guy like this. Uh, he was their coach before, right? Or he worked in some sort of – I thought he worked in some sort of capacity with the Pacers before. I don't think so. Good thing really? we have a temp to look that up for us, though. Good thing. Uh, Jason Kidd, I mean, I, I, that's that's good for him. I I wonder – that you know, this is just kind of the conspiracy part of my brain working. I wonder what Nico Harrison offers to the Dallas Mavericks in a non-basketball sense, if you get what I mean. I'm sure there's some sort of monetary Nico Harrison. gain. Yeah. yeah, there's monetary yeah. gain there for sure. Yeah, because you don't just hire Nike executives to be head of basketball operations, but then again. And the Chauncey Billups thing, like like how soon we forget, man. If there's no charges and it gets settled out of court, then then nothing then then nothing happened or he got away with it. Whatever. We 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 rightfully memorialize Kobe Bryant and completely forget about his 2000 Denver court case in which he got accused of rape. Yeah. And it, and it crushed his career for a while. Right. But yeah. now he's, but now he was like, you're looking at like before he died, right. RIP. You were looking at teams bringing him in for like, like you said, the same thing, head of basketball operations, GMs, you know, or, and, and, People in Hollywood looking to work with Kobe Bryant and him getting all these shoe, all these uh, shoe deal shoe deals done and everything like that. So this is just another this is just another thing. And if it turns out to be true, we can't. I mean, we can't really decide that right now. All we can say is that 
Chauncey Billups probably made a mistake in 1997. Yeah, so um, according to E, she was raped by Billups, Ron Mercer, and Michael Urban. Oh, I thought that was a joke. That's actually true. Oh, not the wide receiver. Oh, <laughs> no, nah, like, oh, he, he, like, these are all basketball players. Yeah. Oh, okay. In Antoine Walker's home. Yeah. I mean, I like, like, listen, I, I am not as in tune with the basketball sphere as you are. I didn't even know Chauncey Billups was being considered for head coach and head of basketball operations. So I was a little shocked when I saw this, but then, like you said, reading into it a little deeper, like he's a guy that, that Damian Lillard likes, right? Like you said, he's a guy that Damian Lillard asked for. I think that's the perfect match. I think he needs to get rid of CJ McCollum as quick as he can. Or try to force him out of town, but we'll—I mean, we'll see. Rookie head coaches who oh. have been former players have had pretty decent success in the NBA. Their 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 first year lately, so we'll, yeah. we, we we shall see. So I'm just so confused. You know, like the case was filed, right? If it was true, why didn't you just proceed with the criminal proceedings? And yeah. And actually get the guy. Yeah. I'm just very, very... I always get very confused about these. And I don't know the legality of all this and whatnot. You know, obviously not a lawyer. But obviously, like, a sum of money was good enough to you. I mean, yeah, let's play the other side, too. He could have done it and then just said, hey, here's $1.5 million. (laughs) And she could have been like, oh, you know what? Okay, like... So it's it's very very odd. I don't like ninety seven though. Like, isn't there a statute for some of this stuff? Don't we constantly talk about like criminal reform and trying to give them all second chances and all this other stuff? Like, I, I look if you're outraged by the hiring, I can understand, but I don't know. It's. <laughs> kind of seems, seems a little bit like grasping at straws for this. It, it, it's, it is the flavor of the moment, though, for the culture that we're in right now. Yeah, and what I'm saying, you know, it's 23 years, and and it, no one said anything when Chauncey Billups was assistant coach for the Clippers and all this other stuff. Like, if I like, if I looked up Chauncey Billups, uh, I'm pretty sure he's worked at a few organizations lately. Yeah, let's see. And he so, did. He did come out and speak on it. Um, yeah, we got cut off by the like the Blazers press director today because reporters were trying to ask him about it. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't see all that. I know that he tried speaking on it, but I guess not. Uh, yeah. So he was a he was an assistant this year for the Clippers, and nobody said anything then. It's the minute that he's about to get a head coaching job that somebody says something. Yeah. All All right, anyway. So 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 agent Rich Paul discussed Ben Simmons trade options with the Philadelphia Brass. So the trade request apparently has not been made at this time. And Ben Simmons, as you remember, in the final three games against Atlanta, sorry to bring it back up, he had 19 total points and no field goals attempted in the fourth quarter. Is he I'll ask you this, Jermaine, is Ben Simmons gone from Philadelphia? Um and if so, where? I keep saying no, but a part of me doesn't My believe body. That. A part of me doesn't believe that, and here's why. My body's telling me yes. 
Daryl Morey is notorious for saying, no, we're not trading somebody. No, we're not doing this. And then pulling off the shock deal that just sends the league into, you know, chaos, right? He did it twice with Houston. He traded um, for Chris Paul after Chris Paul's shocking trade request out of the Clippers. I guess it's really not that shocking. They kept losing. so. <laughs> and then he traded Chris Paul uh, for Russell Westbrook. Also, also, he he traded away Chris Paul and picks to get Russell Westbrook. That might be the biggest fleece ever. Like Chris yeah. Paul and picks to get Russell Westbrook. Let me ask you this. Is Russell Westbrook that much better than Chris Paul? Or is or is Russell Westbrook better than Chris Paul at all? I would I would say no, not right now. All right, well, he, he is shaking his head. I mean, he has a microphone, I thought. <laughs> I guess not. Um, yeah, so that's – Paul plus picks is a fleecy. And then, obviously, he traded Paul again, right? Um, it's not five years, 177. He already played the, a year of that contract. It's actually four years, 144. And he is a 24 – he's a 24-year-old point guard, so – I really don't think that he's going to be very hard to move, and I think a lot of teams want him. So um, that that's my thing on that. I just was shocked that the agent thought he was in a position to say this. So where so so where does he go then? Oh man, that's a great fucking question. I mean, ideally, I want Lillard and. Simmons to switch because <laughs> I think Lillard should go play with Embiid, but um, I really don't. I don't have an idea of where he goes. There's there's a few interesting places that Ben Simmons could end up. Um, I just don't. I just don't see. It's not readily apparent. I just yeah. Daryl Morey is going to make something happen, but <laughs> I don't know where he goes. Um. One thing that fascinates me is the New Orleans Pelicans. But they're not going to be in New Orleans for a while. Yeah, they won't be after 2024. Yeah. Yeah. If Zion does request a trade or he does want out, like Zion for Ben Simmons sounds fascinating to me. Just just go the old school approach in the 76 and just as much size as you can. Well, Zion is a terrific passer. He runs the – like. When Van Gundy realized, like, hey, I should run Zion as a point forward, like, <laughs> it'd be it'd be drastically different. So, I don't really know. I'd have to get back to you on that. So, um, that is what it, that's what that is what it is. You know, he's shorter than Ben, but he jumps out the fucking building. He makes up with that for athleticism. He's all over the court. He impacts the game and. Despite being shorter than Ben, he actually scores more points per game than Ben Simmons. So I think that'd be tight. But that's just wishful thinking. I just want to see some crazy stuff. Ben Simmons to Houston. The Detroit Pistons. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Anyways, we spent enough time on this. Let's go ahead and move to the next topic. 
So did you see that the MLB announced their first uh, in-game All-Star jersey for this 2021 uh, All-Star game? Yes, yes, I did. I did see that. I I didn't know it was the first in-game. I saw the jersey and got hyped and was just like, hey, this is like super sick. I really like this jersey. I thought they did it all the time, though. I was so confused. I, I didn't realize it, though. I thought that they did it all the time, too. <laughs> so, that, that like everybody had their like American and National League like thing on their yeah like, I, on the on like their chest. So maybe maybe they had jerseys made, but in game they still wore their team jerseys or whatever. Did they? I don't. I don't know. You would have to answer this question, not me. I, I don't think so, though. Because they had like the they had like the nat, like, like the old school like jerseys were always like they had the um, the national or the American League and then they had their like team logos up on the breast like on their left breast. So are you saying they did have unique jerseys I'm or s- they did not? No, they they had yeah they had jerseys. Yeah, they 100% did. I'm looking at an article right now from NBC Sports that says the best and worst MLB All-Star jerseys of all time or of the decade. Okay, then I don't know why yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know why this is why this is good. I don't know why they said first in game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway. All right. There it is. Eric strikes again. There you go. <laughs> So there you go. Eric, 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 care to care to justify yourself? No? Okay. He's remaining silent. <laughs> so the all-star finalists were announced for the MLB. The Houston Astros led the way with seven MLB All-Star finalists. So there, there's going to be a ton of people bringing trash cans to Coors Field. Can't wait for that. Uh this does not mean uh that. This is uh this does not mean that this these are the all-star games. The all-star teams, uh the starters will be announced Thursday at at nine Eastern, and then the remainder will be revealed on Sunday. So uh we'll go through the top vote getters so far right now. So for the AL, uh Salvador Perez is the catcher, Vlad Jr. is first base. Marcus Simeon is playing second base. Xander Bogarts is playing shortstop. Third base is Rafael Devers. The outfield is Mike Trout, who probably won't play since he's on the 60-day DL. So it'd be Aaron Judge, Byron Buxton, and Michael Brantley. Uh, And then the designated hitter for the AL is obviously Shohei Otani. For the NL, the catcher, Buster Posey, having a career year. If you told me that Buster Posey and Yadier Molina would be running, would be leading the all-star voting right now, one and two, I would tell you you're high. Max Muncy for the NL for first base. Second base is uh, Ozzy Albies. Uh, NL shortstop is obviously Fernando Tatis. Uh, NL third base, Chris Bryant. Uh, the NL outfitters, Ronald Acuna, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winkler. And like we said, next week we'll have an announcement for you guys on the actual uh, all-star starters and or the actual all-star teams for it. So my question to you, Jermaine, is the Chicago Cubs threw a team no-hitter against the Dodgers. 
It's the seventh of the season for no hitters. The most before July ever in baseball history. Does a team, well, I'll ask you this first. Does a seven inning no, no count? Um, what, what, what counts as a no, no, I guess. So that, it's a great fucking question. I don't really know. I don't feel like a, a team no hitter counts. I completely agree with you. Okay. So, um, so that's why I don't, I don't think it counts. And I don't think a seven inning counts either. Fuck no. You need to go nine, bro. This is the major seven inning is for men's league. I believe that it is a tactical advantage to a team if you bring in another pitcher because it is a guy with a completely different release point, completely different mechanics who they have not seen before who may throw faster or slower than the next guy or his curveball could break that much or his slider goes this way or he's a lefty versus righty. It's way easier to throw a team no-no that it has a guy go through the lineup four times or a guy has to go through the lineup three times at least to get a no-no. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what that's what I thought. I read that and I was just like, that doesn't count as the seventh no hitter. We're not yeah. not in my book. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's well let's let let's move to. Uh, well, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll announce the all stars, the all star, uh, the all star teams uh, next week. So let's move to the NHL. Hold on, I with- wanted to talk about something real quick. Okay. Um, Yasmani Grandal mm-hmm. being a finalist. We're just going to glance over that. We're gonna dude's, hit, dude's hitting 177. Well, you now, you now lead to one of the biggest things that I hate about sports or about baseball is that the fans get to vote. This is fan voting. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yusmani right. Grandal playing in Chicago means that he gets a lot of votes in the Chicago market. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Once you said that, I didn't. I forgot about that. That's insane. The 177, how are you yeah. voting that, man? It's awful. Like, awful. even as a fan, I would be upset at him. Yeah, that's that's terrible. So we'll move on to the NHL. So the NHL features two teams that Jermaine told you to pick, and if you didn't pick them, you're an idiot. So the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens were the first team to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup. They beat the Golden Knights, my Stanley Cup pick, 4-2 in the series, including a 3-2 ga- game win in Game 6, a 3-2 Game 6 win in overtime. It's the second straight semifinal exit for the Vegas Golden Knights. And they will be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay won game seven over the Islanders 1-0 on the Islanders' first and only own goal of the playoffs to clinch the Stanley Cup spot. And they played game one the other night with the Islanders winning game one 5-1. But don't fret, Montreal Canadiens fans. You have been in this situation before because you lost four to one to the Vegas Golden Knights in game one of that series. Thoughts on the Stanley Cup, Jermaine? Yeah, I mean, I I picked Knights Lightning at the beginning of the playoffs, but 
you know, I um, <laughs> mid series, I was just like, Canadians are going to win it. Like that's that's what's that's what's going to happen. So, <laughs> and there it is. And now we have Canadians. The Canadians are going to get swept by the Lightning. So if you didn't instantly bet the Lightning after it was, um, after it after the Canadians clinched, then you gave away free money. And basically, yeah. So unreal. Yeah. I I will say in our Stanley Cup show, I said that the Tampa Bay Lightning can be very scary this year, and they were my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. So six six time Stanley Cup champion Mark Messier joined ESPN as a broadcaster. I would assume this is this is in uh this is in um response to the Jeremy Roenick firing. <laughs> so now they've they've gotten rid of Jeremy Roenick. Who's gotten rid of Jeremy Roenick? ESPN. Oh. Yeah. When did I actually I don't even know if I remember that. Who so who got hired in response to Jeremy Roenick? Mark, I I was just saying this might be a response to the hiring. Probably not though, because Mark Messier is just a is just a a good hockey mind. But he joins ESPN as a broadcaster. Oh, probably right. probably right. ESPN and, and probably actually more instead of Jeremy Roenick, ESPN adding to it because they're trying to build this hockey brand basically with their new deal. Yeah, who did we say did Gretzky sign with TNT or with ESPN? He signed with TNT. TNT. And yeah. now, and ESPN was like, "All right, we're going to counter right. with a six-time winner." Then you bums, bet, bet, I bet. All right, dude, take right. us through some of the awards and let us know if you picked this correctly or not. All right, I'll just say right off the bat, I was having a phone conversation with Nevada earlier, a text conversation when these awards got released, and this is a this is a travesty from the National Hockey League. Oh wow! Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! It's a travesty. Travesty. Right. Oh. There was there was one award we knew that was gonna that was gonna that I that we knew we missed already, right? In our in our in our award show way back, we 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 picked the Avs Nate McKinnon to win the heart. Connor McDavid definitely should have won the heart, and he did, right? He was the best player in hockey this year, the heart trophy, obviously the MVP. Right. He was unanimously voted as the heart trophy. I completely agree with that. Oh uh, hold on, hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but it looks like Giannis is seriously hurt. In the Hawks game? In the Bucks hawks game. He is limping off the court. Someone's helping him. Ooh. They're carrying immediately to the back. I didn't see the play that happened, but... Well, there you hear it first. You heard it, guys. Hammer the Hawks. They're up 10. Hawks to the ship. So, um... Wild, uh... Wild forward, uh... Kirill, uh... Kapreznov. Uh, won the Calder Award. That's the Rookie of the Year. I think he deserved to win it. I I, I think that you know we we had Tim Stuker in the uh, in, earlier in the year. He didn't really and, and Alex Lafonier. He he didn't really do enough to 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 win it. So Kaprizov did enough. Right, twenty seven goals, a fifty one point season. That's pretty good. The, right? That's very good. I agree with both those. I agree with the Hart Trophy and I agree with the Calder. Okay. Mark Andre Fleury winning the best goalie. He did not win best goalie. First of all, if you're going to give it on the basis of best goalie on best team, like goalie on best team, then Philip Grubauer wins it. Philip Grubauer was the best goalie on the best team. If you're going to give it to the best goalie 
Andre, oh God, what the fuck is the lightning goalie? Uh, Vasilevsky, that's his name. Jesus, I brain farted for a second. Andrea Vasilevsky was the best goalie in the NHL this year, stat-wise. He's he's proven it right now in this playoff. He's run. he's he's taking the he's taking, and if you're gonna pick a goalie that that we're gonna base it off playoffs, Carey Price deserves the playoff MVP. I don't care. If, <laughs> I don't care if the Canadians lose. Carey Price is goaltender of the year, but Carey? not Mark, not Mark Andre Fleury. He was when not did, the best regular season goalie by stats, and he's not the best regular season goalie by team. When did Carey Price get to the Canadians? Was that this year? He's been on there for he's been on them for a while. E, can you look that up? Oh wow. Okay, I thought I thought that was this year. Guess not. Um, no, he's he's been there for a while. I, I if not like a, a hell of a long time. Grubauer is the starter for the Colorado, Avalanche, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, so correct. You have the. You have yeah. the second. What's your backup goalie? You guys have the tandem that fucking rocks. What's the other? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's Grubauer and um, Nevada's going to kick kick my ass for not knowing this. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, you're welcome. It's Nevada. not. Uh, it's not Bernier anymore. Uh, Devin Dubnik. Oh yeah, uh, dude. I saw this, and so one thing that so two things shocked me. Mark Andre Fleury winning it shocked me. Yeah, I, I don't know how that – I didn't know that was possible this year. I, I thought – I wasn't even sure he was top three. Yeah. Se- secondly, first time in his career, though? Yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah. I, it's, is, is this it's, a career it's, award? Maybe. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it the equivalent of Leo winning uh, his Oscar for a crappy movie? I guess, that, I guess that's it. You can't have very many years where you give uh, – where you give Marc Andre Fleury the Oscar for the Revenant, I guess. That's what that's what we just got here. Well, the Revenant was crappy to you, but actors love that movie because he went full method. Yeah, what do actors know? Do you know what method acting is? No. I've never seen a Daniel Day Lewis movie, so mansplain it to me, please. I mean, then you should know that's why he won the Oscar then. Yeah, but he should have won for movies way before that. Well, yeah, that. But to say it was a shitty movie was, anyways. Was, we are, we yeah, are, we're, was, we are, we are digressing. <laughs> we can talk about this offline. So the final, the final award then this year was the Norris Trophy, which goes to the best defenseman in the NHL. Rangers Adam Fox won it. Uh, the finalists were Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, and Kale McCarr. First of all, how are you not going to give it to Hedman if you're not going to give it to Victor Hedman, who's the best defenseman in the NHL? unequivocally you go on any site and they say Victor Hedman is, is the best. Every writer you talk to says Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the NHL. And he, and he proved it this year. If you're not going to give it to him, then you give it to Kale McCarr, who is the most exciting defenseman this year and has the points, the offense to break it up or uh, uh, back it up. Does Adam is, Fox is Adam Fox 47 points the most this season for a defenseman? Let me. I mean, we we can look it up. I'm sure with uh, with our E. Uh, yeah, let's I, see. Playing in his second NHL season, he ranked top in assists, second in points, second in power play assists, third in takeaways, third in power play points across 55 uh, contests. Third in power point. Uh, power pa- play. Points. Power play points. Yes. Okay, I just don't. None of those stats back up being a good defender, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that all sounds offensive. True. That's pretty odd. Uh, it's pretty odd. So I don't know enough about defenders really uh-huh. to sit here and back you up on this one, but you seem very adamant. So I'm going to go out and say, yeah, what the fuck? Adam Fox. Are you kidding me, dog? Yeah, dude. It's not like it, it's here's like, I, I just, I don't, I, I, I like, I, I don't know. Vi, like, like Victor, like Victor Hedman in, in terms of like, like total, like you, you talk about like goals, like like defensive stats, right? Like he is. I, I mean, may, maybe this was not his best defensive year, but if you're like so, so if you're gonna say right, this wasn't his. He, so he he led defenseman. Uh, he was third for points. He was fifth in assists. He was seventh in goals. Uh, he had, uh, he was second, uh, among all skaters in power play assists. He was six in power play points and he finished seventh in the entire NHL in ice time with 25 minutes, with, with, uh, 25, uh, excuse me, 25 minutes per game. But yeah, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to say, um, that Victor Hedman is the, like, if, if you're going to say that. Adam Fox is a better offensive defenseman than Victor Hedman. Then Kale McCarr was a better offensive defenseman than, um, than Fox. He he missed he missed twelve games. Kale McCarr missed twelve games, and he ranked and he had forty four points for defenseman. He had one point per game. It topped all. All defensemen in 2020 and 2021. How many games did Fox play? And McCarr is uh, Avalanche defenseman, right? Yeah. Dang. He had three less points than Fox, and he played and he 12 played less games. 12 less games. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and wow. I like, like Fox, like, I'm always a fan of, and the NHL normally does a very good job of this. And I'm more having a passionate defense because one hits my team and I'm biased. And two, I put money on Kale McCarr. Like, <laughs> there it is, folks. <laughs> Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, if you look at it from an independent point of view, Victor Hedman helped his team get where they're at. Kale McCarr helped his team get where they're at. The Rangers had a positive point differential. Right? Yeah, good for Adam Fox, but didn't make the playoffs. Because their defense stinks. Well, like yeah, you're a good yeah, you're good at assisting and scoring goals. Good. How about you go play defense? Get your team into the playoffs. Whatever. Moving on. Something some something that I found uh pretty cool is that uh lightning player Kucherov was the third player in NHL history to score 30 plus points in consecutive postseasons. Do you can you name who the other two players were, Jermaine? I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Uh-huh. Ben Gretzky. Uh-huh. That wasn't and... a big limb. Oh, Gordy. Mario Lemieux was the second one. Oh. Bullets. I mean, if you 
Like if you want to, if you want to talk about what type of a player Kucherov is for the Lightning, Nikita Kucherov, I, I that's that's that stat right there. Why are the Lightning so good and so scary in the playoffs? Is because they have a guy who can score thirty plus points in the playoffs. At points is assists and goals, correct? Yes, apples, apples, and uh, they call goals <laughs> grapes. No, they call them something else. In, in in hockey speak. Apples and something else. You heard it here. Apples folks. and <laughs> apples and something else. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm on my stuff today. Yeah. Kucherov. That is uh 30 points. And they still have like at least three more games. Yeah. What's the what's the record for most points in a playoff run? Okay. You keep stalling. I will. Uh, I will look it up. I'm actually shocked that Wayne Gretzky, only- Wayne Gretzky, in the 1984 to 85 season, he had 47 points. Oh my god! By the way, he played 18 games. <laughs> he said, "He said Gretzky 47 points in the playoff run." If you want to get if you if you want a comparison, Nikita Kucherov this year in 19 games has 30 points. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, 47. We just in talked about a de- we just talked about a defenseman getting 47 points in 55 games and winning the best defenseman trophy. And yeah. Gretzky said, "Hold my beer in 84, 85." I'm gonna show you how, yeah, you do it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jesus, 47 points in 18 games. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm floored, dude. I'm floored. That's like two and a half points a game. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> it is it it is crazy. There, there's a reason you call him the great one, right? Yeah. It's, it's every time you hear a Gretzky stat, it just boggles your mind. It, like, what's the you, most what, – sorry, go ahead. I well, I mean, like every time you hear a Gretzky stat, it, it's kind of like if, if in the future you would hear a Gretzky stat, you're gonna hear kids are gonna hear it the same way they hear like Babe Ruth stats, and you'll just assume that he played in like, like we said, Babe Ruth didn't play against black people. He played in the 1900s when pitchers were throwing like 50 miles per hour. Like Wayne Gretzky played in like the 80s and the 90s, where like you were like legally able to like hit people over the head with your stick, <laughs> like. I'm pretty sure, like, hockey was not civilized in the 80s and 90s. They didn't have glass around the rink. You can just get thrown into the fans. <laughs> they didn't have glass on their face to protect <laughs> their face. You were considered less manly if you wore glass. And uh, Gretzky Gretzky actually kept his teeth. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, that's because Because he had giant men on the fourth line that skated around and beat the living shit out of anyone that would threaten Gretzky. You know, I actually don't know anybody that Gretzky played with. Uh, That's a great question. I don't know either. We we need a Gretzky documentary, dude. What's going on? Maybe. Yeah, maybe we do need a Gretzky documentary. How many years did Gretzky play? Like 24? There was way more than that, right? He played 20 seasons. He played from 78 to 99. 78 to 99 sounds like more than 20. Oh, I guess not. Yeah. Wow. I thought he played more than that. Uh, Mark Messier was teammates with Gretzky in, uh, in 
the I Rangers and Edmonton. Yep. I knew that. Why the fuck did I literally just said ESPN said hold my beer? Yeah. <laughs> and hired Mark Messier after TNT got Gretzky. Mm-hmm. I literally he, just said that. He played with Brett Hall in St. Louis, apparently. Or yes. he played with he played with Brett Hall, yeah, in St. Louis, yeah. So apparently he played with Glenn Anderson, y- Yari Curry. Yeah, Yari uh, Curry. Yeah, Paul Coffey and Grant Fuhr. He also played with Luke Robitaille on the Kings. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see. Yeah, Paul Coffey, uh, Brian Leach. He played with in uh, in New York. Rob Blake. He played with in the Kings. Hmm. Chris Pronger. He played with. Oh, that name I remember. He played with uh, Mike Ritchie. You might know Mark Ritchie. Yeah. A few, so, I mean, few of these guys I don't know. I need to watch some NHL documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just realized, like, my NHL knowledge is, like, 2016 and recent. <laughs> <laughs> not, no, not 2016. Well, well, right? No, 20, 2010. 2010. 2000- 2006 is when I got into hockey. I meant to say okay, 2006. Yeah. 2006, yeah, the, when the Blackhawks were good. Yeah, when they got good, you know, yeah. when, when they had what we're going to reference and find them and cut them. All right, so now yeah. to the main topic, Euro 2020. And we led, the, we led the podcast discussing the first big upset happened in the knockout stage. But before we get to that, Nick, let's discuss this new rule that you and I have been clamoring for. Uh, I don't know if we discussed this on air. We might have, but it's definitely off air. We have talked about this over and over and over again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. UEFA has scrapped away goal tiebreakers from all club competitions starting next season. Starting this year, 2021 to 2022, teams tied on, a, on away goals will play extra time and losing penalties – like the aforementioned biggest upset, France, the big favorite of the Euro 2020, being played in 2021, that is not a typo, took a big fat L to Switzerland. Yeah, so let's so let's get into it. As Jermaine just mentioned, that France-Switzerland game took place yesterday, the 28th of June. We started out with Denmark drubbing. Wales four nothing in the first game, and like he said, we ended to last, or we ended tonight, or the, I guess this afternoon, with Ukraine beating Sweden on a hundred and twenty-first minute goal in extra time to advance as the last quarter finalist. Told so you about Denmark. So I'll so I'll break it I'll break it down for you. Belgium beat Portugal one zero, a really great game that showed kind of Belgium's uh, lack. Pe- Poise. Poise and moxie, but possession issues and kind of if you can kind of rough Lukaku up a little bit, uh, you can probably win a game against a better attacking team. Well, Italy he didn't have he didn't have De Bruyne setting him up either. True. Italy had to go into extra time to beat Austria. However, they did score two goals in extra time. They won two one. Italy will play Belgium in the quarterfinals. Jermaine already mentioned France and Switzerland. Spain. Beat Croatia 5-3 in extra time. Spain now the second time in a row, the second straight game that they've scored five goals. They're the only team in the history of the European uh, competition to do that, to score five goals 
in back-to-back games, an excellent game in which Croatia came back to score two goals in the uh, last, what was it, 15 minutes, last five minutes. Yeah, yeah to force extra time, yeah. To force extra time, and then just kind of seemed tired and beaten going into extra time, and Spain jumped all over it. So Spain will play Switzerland. That was the game of the tournament thus far. Yep. So Spain will play Switzerland in the next round. Uh, And just to talk about that France-Switzerland game, Switzerland had the opposite. They seemed like when they went down 3-1 to France, I thought the game was over. And the Swiss came roaring back with a passion. So good for them. If you don't think the Swiss are playing with house money at this point, E, can you look up real quick what it is that the Swiss to win the tournament? Also, um, how – let's just – all right. France was awful for all but 20 minutes of that game. Swiss, Swiss, plus 2,600 for the Swiss. Oh, that is wild. There's no way they're winning at all. But France was awful. What about about to make the final, E? Can you look up to make the final? Go, Jermaine. Sands 20 minutes of football where they were brilliant. They were the World Cup winning team. We all knew they were. Paul Pogba was a magician with his passes. He has surpassed Tony Cruz as the best long ball passer I have ever seen. And Dude, it's that, not that even- one ball, that one ball that he hit one touch and like sent to the feet of fucking Mbappe was one of the greatest passes I've ever seen. It's it's not even close anymore. And I thought Tony <laughs> Cruz was so good. That's how crazy Pogba's playing right now. He heard but, me talking shit. Yeah, and that's what I told E. I told E I was talking shit because Pogba hadn't played well for United. Pogba turns the ball over in open field in the worst situations at the worst times all the time. And I will get back to that in a bit. That's why I said it. <sighs> But France was down 1-0 relatively early. I believe it was like the 19th, 20-minute mark. Yeah, 15th, yeah. 15th. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half, commit a penalty, which I did not see, so I don't know how. The the 55th-minute penalty, it was a penalty. It was a penalty, so Mm -hmm. there was a foul in the box. Mm -hmm. And Laurie comes up with a monster stop. It was a terrible penalty, but yes, still a good stop. It was a terribly taken penalty. I always like to look at goalkeeper stopping True. penalties. True. It's, it's an impossible again, job. Again, Laurie, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, did great to stop it. It should have been hit with more it should have been hit with more pace and into a corner somewhere. <laughs> yes, should have, but Stopping a penalty is impossible. So I always, go with, I always go with the goalkeeper side. As we will get to at the end of this game. Then France suddenly shaking at their core, realizing that their season of Euro 2020 is about to come to an end. Lights up those supernova the way I've never seen a team just wake the fuck up before. And score Two goals in 90 seconds. Kareem Benzema scores a brace in 90 seconds. In two minutes, it was a three-goal turn. It was was probably one of the craziest things of soccer I've seen since Germany 7-1 over Brazil. We were trying to conduct business as this nonsense (laughs) was going on. 
Like, that's how ridiculous it was is to where business got sidelined and there was just text messages coming in left and right about how ridiculous a ball game we're watching right now. Then France seemingly wrestled control from Switzerland. Switzerland outclassed at every turn on the pitch, cannot keep the ball out of their own defensive half, and Pogba strikes a rocket in the 84th or 87th minute. 75th. 75th, 75th minute, strikes a rocket, top right, can't stop it. A massive shot. 3-1, France relaxes. I mean, and and at that point, I mean, at that point, I even said, well, all right. Like, I I thought about even putting a little bit of money on France. Because, like, you you see, like, this, that was a test to, to, like, and... And and I think that the the broadcast the broadcast said it too. They said this is a true test of champions that Switzerland has given them. It's a true test to put them down early, to put them up against a penalty, and then to them to come back and have that cheater Benzema score two score a brace. Paul Pogba play great the whole game, hit an awesome shot, three one. The defending World Cup champions and a team that's that is the favorites in the tournament. If you watch the live odds of this game, like that one thing that I really liked about the way they did this game is they put the live odds to win it up every now and then. And they showed the live odds from when France was down 1-0, the penalty, and then when France tied, and then when France went up, and then when Pogba scored the goal, France was like a plus 200 favorite to win the whole thing. But then. But then, the clown show the awful teeth having fuck that is Didier Deschamps decides to go completely off his rocker. What blew my mind is he sat down the whole game after that too. After he made some of the worst substitutions, he only had four subs. He only used four substitutions. You can use five. And I think you get an extra one when in extra time. So he could have used six total. Yeah. So, he opens the game with one of the most absurd formations I've ever seen that seemed to confuse the French players, despite yeah. their talent. He yeah. hit me with a 3-4-1-2 to open the game. That is some football manager shenanigans if you're trying to get all your good midfielders on the field at the same time. It doesn't even make sense, though. It doesn't. It, it makes zero sense. He plays three center backs, and then I was tried. I was mansplained that we have two wing backs, and you know, I guess it was, I guess pretty it was, much like five defenders. It was technically, it, I guess, it was technically presented on the broadcast as a three-four-three. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It was a three-four-one-two. Yeah. I looked at the shape; didn't make any sense. We couldn't get anything going in the first half because of that shape. Then. He brings in super sub of the century, Kingsley Coman, which I don't know why he wasn't starting in the first place. And then he brings in Sissoko. Sissoko. Why? Why was Lucas Hernandez on the bench? Yeah. I mean, that was my thought, too, because Sissoko would have just, I mean, efforts from a long range. And Sissoko looked slow. Then yeah. Thurman, Thurman came in, looked awful. 
Toliso didn't come in. There were so many players that could have came in that he didn't. Anyways, I'm done. I'm done burying that. That's my main takeaway. They deserve. They were the worst team on the pitch that day and deserve to lose. That's what happens. So we're moving to the other games. So like we talked about already, Ukraine with a 121st-minute goal beat <laughs> Sweden 2-1, <laughs> ruining my parlay. How good uh, was that goal? Did I, I didn't see it. it. I, I didn't see it either. All right. He's he is, shaking his he is, head, yes. He is, he is giving the Obama face, so it was good. Uh, in London, if you didn't hammer the, the English side, you're wrong. A game in London, they hadn't beat Germany since 1966 in an international tournament. They beat them 2-0 uh, in a game in which the first half, it was pretty much the like the worst half of, like, it's, <laughs> what, it, what, did, what did somebody, somebody at, at uh, ESPN tweeted, that it's like watching a uh, a a uh, bowl game between mid majors the day after the college football semifinals, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty good." And it, it sucks that you describe England and Germany like that, but it was really a pedestrian first half. And then I I didn't get a chance to to catch the second half. England scores two goals: one in the seventy fifth minute, one in the eighty fifth minute. Sterling had a beautiful run for the goal in the 75th, and Harry Kane scored in the 85th. Uh, Czech with a shock of the Netherlands. Beat the Netherlands 2-0. And like we mentioned before, to kick off the round of 16, Denmark beat Wales 4-0. So just to run through those quarterfinal matchups for you again, Belgium will play Italy in Munich, and Switzerland will play Spain in St. Petersburg. Those will both be on the 2nd of July. Ukraine will play England in Rome, and the Czech Republic will play Denmark in Baku on the 3rd of July, both of those games. We've kind of gone over it a little bit, Jermaine. Tell me your prediction for the semifinalists. And does it change who you think is going to win the whole thing? Oh, man. I still, I'm still uncertain who I think is winning the whole thing. Uh, you know me. I love storylines. I've factored a lot of my betting strategy into storylines. Hence why I've been telling yelling from mountaintops to bet Denmark and people thought I was foolish. And now I can almost guarantee Denmark makes the semifinals and has a pretty great shot at making the finals. So with that being said, I've already given one of the four picks. I have Denmark versus England in the semifinals. Right? Of note, that game would be in London. So. I know. That's what I was going to say. That's what a lot of people are failing to realize with my my love for England. They're play, the finals and the semifinals are in Wembley. Yeah. And I told you at the 2018 World Cup, what did I tell you? That England's, that England's going to win the 2022 World Cup. And here they are in 2021 – on the world stage, on the, the European Cup, and they're this close to snagging it, bro. I told you. And before I told him that, I per- correctly predicted France would win the World Cup. So I believe I got an act to this. England-Denmark semifinals, book it. And my co-host here chose an audacious final of Italy versus Spain. And we won't even see that matchup. I have Italy versus Switzerland 
And everybody in, bagged in me for it. Everybody bagged me for an Italy Spain. Everybody bagged me for it. Well, I mean, Spain hasn't played anyone, so I don't want to hear it. They still might find themselves in the semifinals. Honestly, I think it's going to be Italy-Spain, but I really don't want to hear you be like, I said Italy-Spain, so I'm picking Switzerland purely out of malice in my heart. Screw you, buddy. So here's my thing. I'm loving a Belgian-Italy game. This is going to be a great game. It's going to show whichever team wins this game has the chance to or, or will go to the final from here. I agree with that. I think Italy wins because I think Italy's attacking prowess is better than the Belgian defense. And now that the Be- Belgian midfield doesn't have Van Bruyner or doesn't have, sorry, uh, De Bruyne, and there's a chance that Eden Hazard might be out. No, now. not a chance. There's no chance he comes back. That's well, what. Uh, so there you go. Courtois came out and said because he has an outrageous hamstring injury. Yeah. I think Switzerland is playing with house money right now. And like you said, Spain hasn't played anyone. And they certainly haven't played anyone with now the, I mean, the absolute train that's riding behind them of momentum in Switzerland. Um, yeah. I think I think England, here's the thing. If I can see in this Ukraine game, which is basically going to be a warm-up for the final, I think, England needs to stop playing as if defense is their best asset. Stop sitting back and defending and trying to hit people through a buildup from defense to midfield to attack. You have some of the best attackers in the world. Let them free. (laughs) I don't... So I I used to... His name is Garrett Southgate, correct? Yes, Garrett Southgate. I used to think he was a really good coach. When I watched the 2016 World Cup, I thought he was pretty good not coach sorry manager um but his obsession with playing a back three and then sitting back on defense makes no sense to me if you're gonna play a back three you play that to attack (laughs) am i am i wrong here you don't sit back they've done really well right they have allowed no goals this tournament yeah, but they've also only scored four. But they've only scored four. And only so, one of those has been inside has been in the first half. Yes, they have flaws, but the board is set, bro. The talent is there. The confidence is booming. Like that's the thing that people don't factor into. It's like the confidence is there. 1966, you haven't beat Germany in a major European competition. 1966. Yeah. Were they still West Germany at that time? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were still yeah. West Germany. They were still West Germany. Like, that's how long ago it was. And they go out and take this huge weight off their back. It's kind of like it was like a moment where it's like, we actually belong here. Mm-hmm. Right? And so often you see that that momentum builds and it snowballs and now they have confidence. Can you can you tell me how many goals Harry Kane has in European uh, major European competition like the Euros and World Cup? I'm sure he has some at World Cup, but I know that he's underperformed on that level. Which he only t- has he only has three shots on target so far, two shots on target this this tournament. Well, that's not good at all. But I mean the the real the real um, yeah, so he has one Euro goal, 
which was this goal that he just scored against Germany. Yeah. I was sure I saw that, but I just wanted to double check. And he has six in the World Cup. So, I mean, I guess he's done pretty well there. I think this is Italy's cup to lose, though. It has to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Belgium's injury issues puts them in question. Belgium was who I thought would make uh, the final against France, but that couldn't happen because they were on the same side of the bracket. Because, God, these that draw was so lopsided to one side. It's So we, so we talk about Group F. Every single group put a quarterfinal uh, team in there, except for Group F. Portugal, Germany, Hungary, and France. That's the group of death, bro. They That's were the tired. Group of death. <laughs> they they were, were tired. tired, bro. They got they smoked each other in the group. Here's yeah. here's what here's what I'm nervous about. I think Denmark is going to beat the Czech. I think England will beat Ukraine pretty handedly in both those games. Denmark scores early, and Denmark scores often. And they have, the they have fast. Well, no, I, I'm saying against England. England likes to sit back and play defense. We haven't seen England go down with an early goal, and we haven't seen England be able to score early goals. England hasn't been tested when they've scored this these when they've been scored on. Who's England's goalkeeper? Joe Hart? <laughs> no. Um, I think it's Dean Anderson, right? No. Oh, Pickford. Yeah, Jordan Pickford. That's right. It is Jordan Pickford. He's I just good. I he's good, but we haven't seen England. Be able. We, we haven't seen England play when they've been down. In my like, it, you, you haven't seen them been down a goal and what kind of medal they have. Like if I look, if I look back at their games, they played Poland. They were not down in Poland. They, well, they, haven't, they haven't conceded a goal, so they can't. They down well, no, no. I'm saying in just in just like let's go back the last year. The last game they were down was they lost 2-0 to Belgium in the Nations League in November of 2020. That's the last time England trailed in a game. And and Belgium scored a goal in the 10th minute and the 24th minute. I think that's the key to beating England. And I think Denmark has the ability to do it, which is why I made a semifinal and a final bet for Denmark. Well, I mean, I've been shouting it from the rooftop. You know yeah. me, I love storylines. My ideal final is Italy-Denmark. I'm afraid, oh, yeah. I'm afraid the momentum is there for England, though. And home field advantage in soccer. London has lifted their crackdown for the semifinals and finals, so it should be 60,000 strong for those games. And if you don't think England, if they make the semifinals, if you don't think those 60,000 are going to be absolutely rocking you're out of your mind england has not been this if they make the semifinals obviously there's a big if ukraine could get them a red card (laughs) yeah and they can end up losing in the 121st minute so um (laughs) so it's it's outrageous yeah i mean so that's our prediction like we said we'll go in we'll go in next week uh and and tell you basically who's who's who in the zoo it's gonna be a fun weekend with with the semifinals it will be a fun weekend let's move on to standing o jermaine let's take us through standing o the first one all right you got it you got the first two so philly's got them all go ahead so philly's pitcher aaron nola tied tom seaver for the most k's 
in a game. Most straight K's. And I was like, I read that wrong. I was like, most K's in a game is not 10. Aaron Nola, <laughs> Philadelphia's pitcher, tied New York Mets legend Tom Seaver with the most straight K's in a game with 10. If you've never played baseball, let me tell you what this is. A man has to throw at least 30 pitches for strikes in a row. And I don't know if you guys know this, but he did not throw 30 straight pitches for strikes. So he probably threw like 50. He probably threw 50 pitches. Uh, oh, well, I'll give him the benefit of that. He probably threw four, <laughs> at least 40 pitches and K'd 10 straight batters. That is – a lot of pitchers don't get 10 Ks in a game. Okay. You know me. I like to contextualize Ks for the layman folk. Uh-huh. And he that didn't just – yeah. He K'd 3.1 innings of batters consecutively. In a row, yes. Consecutively. One-third like, of a baseball game were sat down on strikeouts. Straight. That's what I always do this because I feel like people don't understand how impressive 10 Ks is. Like 10 Ks in a game is is a watermark. You're like, oh, that dude dealt. Like that dude dealt. And now we're talking about a dude Kang 10 straight consecutively. Yeah. He was in a zone rarely seen before. Like that's how good 10K straight is. I mean <laughs> Yeah. But he tied it. But he tied it, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> should have broken it. Should have. Should have. Should have. Should have. Eleven. Eleven straight. Tom Seaver's better. What a bum. All right. All right. So, so we gave him a standing O and buried him. <laughs> Let's so, so standing O number two. We already talked about this. Kyle Schwarber tied Barry Bonds. Is he a good baseball player for most home runs in a seventeen He's not game fame, stretch? So no. A seventeen game stretch. My man Kyle Schwarber hit 15 home runs. To contextualize that for you. The layman folk. A guy gets three at-bats a game. Okay. Kyle Schwarber is using one of those at-bats to hit a home run. At least 325 feet in most ballparks. <laughs> how, many, how many feet do those home runs equal in the 17 games? All right, let's see. Let's. I, I'm gonna be a little bit nerdy here for a second. So we're gonna go to. Uh, we're gonna go to. What's the baseball? The Statcast. We're gonna go to Statcast. We're gonna go to Kyle Schwarber home run distance. <laughs> home run right. distance. While Nick's looking this up for us, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the final standing O, which is also baseball related. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Baseball season is about to begin. July 1st is almost upon us. This is how this is how you know how crazy baseball was back in the day. A 70-year-old woman, Gwen Goldman, got to serve as the Yankees Batgirl on Monday, June 28th, 60 years after she was turned down because of her gender. Garbage. That's such a horseshit reason to not like <laughs> to not be able to pick up a bat. <laughs> like what? But at least the Yankees fixed one of their many transgressions. <laughs> I'm sure they have yeah, a bunch more for sure. <laughs> but they fixed one of their many transgressions. They allowed this woman 
to have that wonderful moment, and I'm sure she loved every second of it. The only thing is, is I bet you she wasn't picking up very much bats because the Yankees stink, absolutely stink. <laughs> yeah, they are carrying. Stinkers. They're carrying their bats. They're carrying their bats back to the dugout for sure. They're probably the I'm- team that suffered the ten straight Ks. All right. Well, let's let's okay. His his average. Let's just say his average is is three fifty. <laughs> I can't find it on my well, on my special website. Times 50. He hit almost a mile of home runs. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber in seventeen days has hit a mile of home runs. <laughs> That's such a fun stat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! It turns out that Giannis did not have a torn ACL. He just had a hyperextended knee. But the Milwaukee Bucks are getting bodied without Trey Young. This is an embarrassment, bro. Speaking of no-nos, I'm probably going to jinx it. But Armand Marquez for the Colorado Rockies has a no-no through seven. Bro, you against know the, Pirates. the first rule about no-nos. That's fine. Come on, bro. All right, let's move on to find him and cut him. Um, I'm going to let you take the... I'll take the first one. So yeah. Islanders fans threw beer on the ice to celebrate the OT victory to force game seven. However, the New York Islanders team was still on the ice. <laughs> and I don't think they appreciated their beer shower. Oh, man. So actually, I think I understood why they did it. Not that I'm excusing it. That's a horseshit reason. You don't throw beer onto the ice. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was cans. So that's why I'm like, even like, what are you doing? What if one of your dudes slips on it, like gets hit by it? <laughs> it's just yeah. a bad look. But Nassau. Um, County Coliseum, yeah. County Coliseum is, is, I guess, not getting retired, but they're not. How long have the Islanders played there? It's been uh, a while. I think their whole, I think their whole time that they've been there. Yeah. And now they have a shiny new stadium opening up. Do you know where it's opening? Uh, it's in the Bronx, I think. In the Bronx. Okay. So they got a new stadium opening up. So the fans were chanting, we want the cup, but they secretly knew that this was the last game in Nassau. So that's why they threw the beer on the ice. That's my running theory. You know, the first, the first game was played in 1972 at Nassau County Coliseum. And they've been playing there since. And they played there until 2015 and they closed it for renovations in 2015 for three years. And then they've played, They've uh, played there since. And now they're going to Elmont, New York. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is that outside of, though? Like, what big city? You said the Bronx, right? I think it, I think it, is, in, it is in the Bronx. Okay. Uh, the next fight I'm going to cut him. I'm going to make him quit. Quick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, I guess people are calling him the people's champ now. I don't necessarily see it. Uh, what Scottie Pippen said was correct about LeBron James versus KD, so I don't know why he got upset. But anyway, Scottie Pippen uh, was doing an interview for his new book. I believe it's his memoirs and uh, for a an alcohol that he's releasing. I don't know if it's gin or, or what kind of alcohol it is, but um, – Anyways, so he's doing a Sports Illustrated interview, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and they naturally ask him about uh, Kevin Durant's last second shot in overtime. 
And Scottie Pippen had some very pointed comments. He said, this is why KD's not as good as LeBron. LeBron would never be in a situation like that. LeBron would have found a way to win that game. LeBron would have found a way to take a better shot. Yada, yada, yada. KD's all offense. He tried going shot for shot. Didn't play team basketball. Yada, yada, yada. Spot the lie. None of anything that Scottie Pippen said was incorrect. <laughs> Considering the Nets that are worth a damn were sitting on the bench or had one leg to play on. Uh, <laughs> Joe Harris completely forgot how to hit a three-point shot. And it was like Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant trying to win this, will this seven-game series away. And so Kevin Durant claps back and he speaks on Scottie Pippen's uh, less than stellar past where he enjoyed his summer and waited till the season to get uh, surgery and then rehab. And then him not wanting to come into a game to take a last second shot. Which which I didn't know about Scottie Pippen until the uh, Bulls documentary. He's my favorite player. I knew that. Uh, but you knew that Pippen's- already? Oh, yeah, but like, but like, but like, what I'm saying is, like, did Kevin Durant pull that right from, like, the Last Dance? <laughs> I mean, because if fresh, so, fresh you just watch, you just watch that, and now you're burying a dude for something that you saw in the last. I don't know. I, I don't. So Kevin Durant's a hoophead, but the, the wind doesn't good, go to Kevin Durant. There's a good chance that he saw it in the Last Dance, and that's why he used it. Yeah, I I just don't understand why Kevin Durant had to clap back. He took two turnaround threes, one of them being a two-point shot to win that game. That's like the most difficult shot in the game. Like, what no are doubt. You, doing? you missed six shots total in overtime. Get a better shot. You're seven foot one. Nobody's preventing you from getting to your spot. I know you're tired. I know you played like 53 minutes in that game, like, which is insane. But my man, Scottie Pippen said nothing incorrect. He said nothing incorrect. Nobody's downplaying that you absolutely balled that game with your insane numbers. But when it mattered, you took two of the worst shots we've ever seen. And you hit one of them, which is the most <laughs> audacious part. And – if it weren't for KD wearing a size 16 shoe, the the Nets would be trouncing the Hawks right now in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. But KD is notorious for wearing one shoe size bigger than his actual foot for comfort. <laughs> and that cost him. And now he's upset at Scottie Pippen. Both men take L's as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Scottie. You didn't have to say this. And then Scotty doubled doubled down on his week of trying to make headlines so he could sell his memoirs and his and his uh, alcohol. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I keep saying that. But um, he called Phil Jackson a racist. Now, I didn't even click on it. I didn't look at it. I just – I didn't even bother. I didn't give it a, a sense of time. Phil Jackson could be a racist for all I know. But Scotty, <laughs> baby – what is you doing? What is you doing? Welcome to Fighter Mikado. All right, you want to take the next one? 
Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks one. I'll let you take that one. And and the and the so basically, this is Jermaine's going to go into a bunch of uh, a bunch of organizational allegations. We got we got four of them. Uh, uh, so last week we gave you guys all the people who got arrested. <laughs> I was professional athletes. This week we're going to give you all the organizations that dropped the motherfucking ball. Uh, starting with ASU deputy athletic director Gene Boyd. She was reportedly aware of football recruiting violations last winter, and now ASU is under investigation. The Chicago Blackhawks had a former video coordinator, Bradley Aldrich, accused, uh, was accused by two Blackhawks players of sexually assaulting them in 2010 before the Stanley Cup Finals. GM and president declined to take accusations to Chicago's sex crime unit. Aldrich was also accused and convicted of assaulting a high school hockey player in 2013 and is, a re- is registered on the sex offenders list. Mark Bergevin, GM of the Canadians, is claiming he had no, he had no knowledge of accusations. The, Hawks and the Blackhawks announced in an internal memo Monday that Jenner and Block will conduct an independent review of the allegations that former video coach Bradley Aldrich sexually assaulted two players in 2010. <laughs> I don't even know if I really want to talk about what he did in front of these people. Yeah, I mean, it, like it's, it was pretty malicious. I'm, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if you're interested, uh, you can go ahead and read about it. It's it's all there. Um, go ahead and Google it. USA USA Today has a story on it. Uh, Pittsburgh Sports has a story on it. The Score, Bleacher Nation, and you know. I'm it's sure a big, it's, it's big news. <laughs> it's it's going to lead to a couple of people not having jobs anymore. Yeah. So uh, the Blackhawks are going to get shellacked whenever the report does come in. Jenner and Block is an independent um, law firm that's going to come in and do the – or consulting firm that's going to come in and do the uh, reports. And Gary Bettman has already come out and said he is going to refrain comment and or judgments pending – said investigation it's not going to be good next we have an ex-Syracuse player and staff members alleged head coach Quentin Hillsman's inappropriate behavior led to a max mass exodus so he's a he's a women's college basketball coach if I'm not mistaken yeah women's college basketball Eleven transfers were the result of this man's actions. Yikes. Again, you can read on that. <laughs> and then, last but not least, coming out of uh, college basketball again, TCU's college basketball program is on a three-year probation for role in college basketball's FBI case. Their assistant coach got hit with a five-year uh, sentence as well. The the coach that brought this scandal onto the school, and that was that was in part of the what everyone knew what was happening in college basketball, where they were paying for athletes. Like it's not a secret. They did it. In a, they do it in AAU. Why are you surprised they do it in college basketball? <laughs> so, um, let's see. What does he got for me? Accepted a sick. Well, go ahead. No, I was I was going to read it. So they so TCU accepted or the TCU uh, student 
accepted a uh, $6,000 payment from a business management company in exchange for allowing or in exchange for influencing, agreeing to influence student athletes to use the company, the business management company's uh, services. The assistant coach also provided fake or misleading information about his actions and failed to cooperate with the school's investigation. That's a fine. <laughs> and uh, just to follow up on the uh, Syracuse head coach, it's actually 28 different people connected to the program. Yeah, sick. <laughs> <laughs> so the reports had unwanted physical contact, threats bullying. and bullying, and the program's generally pernicious culture. But did they win? <laughs> I don't think they did. <laughs> well, then there you go. That's why he's considered a bully, because they didn't win. Dude, five said they received therapy. And two were on antidepressants. I noticed that in the article. Oh, my goodness. So that was another edition of Find Him and Cut Him this week. Last week, like Jermaine said, we brought you the pro athletes in jail. This is the organizational allegations. We'll try to bring every week you a nice a nice little uh, category for <laughs> the uh, Find Him and Cut Him. I hope it doesn't keep lining up, but this is exactly what happened. All right, take the trivia away, Nick. So at the beginning of the show, Jermaine asked you, we just set a record for most goals in the European Cup, 41 games, with with 123 goals in those 42 games. That's 2.8 goals per match. What was the previous record? The previous record was 2016, in which they scored 108 goals in 51 games. By the way, there are seven goals left in the European Cup. Seven goals? Yep, seven games seven left. Seven games. That 2016 goals per game was 2.12 goals per game. So thanks to Spain and their back-to-back five-goal outbursts, we have. That can go down, though, right, with the seven games. It could could go down. It's going to be less goals per match, but they definitely broke the total goal record. So even if nobody scores any goals, (laughs) it'll still be 2.51. Is England playing all the games? Yeah, England is playing all the games. <laughs> clean, they clean sheet their opponents. Yeah, and everybody is clean sheeting each other. So that was the trivia. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys joining us here on Room Three Hundred Three, Episode Seventy One. Make sure to like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Room Three Hundred Three. What do you got for the people, Jermaine? few things we missed. Uh, the new stadium that's opening up in uh, Elmont, New York. Are you sure it's not Belmont, New York? Anyways, it's next to Belmont Park. And Scotty Pippen's uh, alcohol is a five-year-aged bourbon whiskey. And uh, I think that's pretty much all I've got. So, as always, oh, uh, Wizards interviewed Sam Cassell. And the Bucks lost by 22 against the Hawks team without Trey Young. That's how important Giannis is. <laughs> what is this NBA playoffs? Is just absolutely crazy. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough rambling. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate. Like, comment, subscribe. Follow us on social media: Instagram, Twitter at Podcast Room Three Zero Three. For myself, Jermaine Kalo Mendes. For my co-host Nicholas Morahan, and for Temp E. 
We'll see you next time when you come on down and step into the room.